Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Josh Price. He is the co-CEO of Symmetra Global. You can find them online at symmetraglobal.com. Josh, thanks for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? I'm great, Brian. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. I know you're joining us from Sydney, Australia, one of my favorite cities in the world, but you mentioned uh, you're going to be moving to New York City uh, pretty soon. Uh, are you looking forward to that? Um, very excited, but of course, somewhat, you know, ambivalent at the same time, just relocating my family. I think we're looking at it as a great adventure. It's a, it's a really exciting phase for our business, I think, as we're expanding what we do into global markets. Um, so New York, I think, is becoming important, becoming an important place of operations for us. So that, that part's very exciting, but, you know, new cultures, new people, new schools for the kids. I think those are all the, the, the challenging parts, perhaps. But, but a bit fun at the same time. Why don't we start with you telling our listeners about Symmetra Global and what the company does? Why don't we start there? Sure. So Symmetra is a diversity, equity, and inclusion consulting business. And we essentially specialize in driving business purpose and performance through inclusion. So our real focus is about building inclusive leaders, cultures, and teams and driving behavior change that is essentially going to get the most out of everybody and ensure you know, fair and equitable outcomes for people in the organization. So we do a combination of diagnostics, strategic consulting, leadership developments, change consulting to essentially achieve that outcome, which is a more diverse workforce, greater equity for everybody, and a sense of inclusion and belonging. I'm interested in the diagnostics. What does that look mm-hmm. like? How do you come in when you're working with a company and you're you're looking under the hood, so to speak, and doing those diagnostics? How do you go about that? Yeah, well, there's a number of different ways to look at it, right? Because changing behavior, changing habits is, is a combination of a number of different things. So you can we have to diagnose, I think, both through the lens of systems, policies, and processes. So we can look at the organization as an, as a whole entity and saying how are the structures and the systems set up, you know, you have issues you have to deal with around what we call systemic bias, um, which is that things that look objective, that look, that are ostensibly designed 
you know, through a lens of meritocracy and fairness may not actually be achieving those outcomes. So then that's one of the things we look at at, a, um, at how the systems are set up. Secondly, how people experience those systems, right? Because sometimes what's in paper is not actually the way that it's executed. And then the other lens that we're taking is really to look at things uh, from a behavior and leadership perspective. So what is the culture? How do people experience their leaders? Um, and uh, how do they experience the processes of career development and that, that employee life cycle? So we have tools that can examine that at an organizational level, at a team level, and even right down to the individual. So we've individual leadership, inclusive leadership assessments, which are a really fabulous way to raise the level of accountability. Um, for leaders and just also help people understand at a granular level what inclusion looks like because you know, I know this is getting a little outside the diagnostic piece but one of the things that we've found is really powerful is taking inclusion from this kind of amorphous concept that everyone thinks they understand why I know what inclusion is I'm already inclusive right and actually breaking it down into specific behaviors and specific outcomes that we're looking for and that's usually a bit of a aha moment or quantum leap for leaders to say, oh, now I understand what I need to be doing more of and less and or less of. If you're assessing leaders, again, without giving away all your, your secrets, hmm. are you doing that through observation? Are you doing it through tests and evaluation? How do you assess leaders in this area? So if you look at the assessment I was mentioning, the Inclusive Leadership Index, that's a 360 degree assessment. So it's, of course, through observation of a group of people around that leader. And we've been really, we've worked very hard to build a model that defines inclusive behaviors, I mentioned, in terms of observable behaviors. So we're not asking about what people think, but how they're experienced by the people around them. Are they creating a sense of inclusion? And the way we define inclusion is not just about, you know, do they demonstrate that they value diversity and have self-awareness, but also are they creating voice? Are they creating psychological safety? Are they standing up? you know, to advocate for equity on behalf of other people. So it's really right down from the self-awareness level through uh, being an, an active agent of change in the organization. With DE&I, we've discussed it a lot on this podcast. And universally, everyone says that it starts with the top leaders, right? Like it, it kind of works its way down. They set the tone. But mm. when you're being hired by an organization, are the senior leaders bringing you in or is there someone else in the company that's going, well, I think we need to change our culture. I think we need to be more inclusive. Can you come in and help us? Uh, it's, it, it varies, right? So from organization to organization, we, it's very exciting when we are brought in by senior business leaders. And that is, that does happen in some organizations because someone, you know, who is not from an HR background and not from a DR role is saying, you know, I believe this is what my culture needs and where we need to be as an organization. And they're aligned with Symmetra's philosophy, which is that inclusive leadership is just what good leadership looks like in the 21st century. And there's a lot more, there are more and more business leaders who are coming to that realization that in the modern economy, in the interconnected workplace, in, you know, in a labor, you know, pool full of diverse people, that's just the way we have to lead. Um, but in some cases, it is someone who's like, well, I need to shift the thinking of my leadership and I need you. So I need you to help me take that step first. Uh, and we can create that momentum for change amongst the leadership group and have that top down cascade. It's not always, you know, and, I, you know, there's, there's, there's all we could have a whole conversation about top down, bottom up and middle out. Um, because we do have to when you're thinking about change at a broad scale, you really do have to think about it not purely as a top down effort. But when you come in. And you've got, I don't know, an hour 
for 30 mm. minutes with the senior leaders. And maybe you've been brought in by someone else in the organization. You're sitting down with senior leaders and saying, this is why we're here. This is mm. what we need to change. How do you do that? Because, I mean, it's almost like, you know, like I watch Shark Tank, the TV show. And, and they've got like a very small amount of time to make their pitch mm. and mm. to get, you know, senior leaders are busy. You don't have probably hours and hours where you can spend with them. So um, I think it's always interesting when I talk to people on this podcast, like how do you make your pitch to resonate with senior leadership to get them on board with, hey, this is what needs to change in your organization? Yeah. Uh, one of the things we say at Symmetra, and I think one of the things that has made us successful as, as a global provider of diversity, equity, and inclusion, because this looks a little bit different in every company and every place in the world you do it, is mm-hmm. meeting people where they are. Because one of the things you learn quickly about behavior change is that you know, people don't like being preached to, and people don't like being told what to do. And when people get defensive, you can't really move them at all. So we need to understand where are they in terms of their evolution of their understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion, how ready are they to make change? And and, and we have a philosophy that any movement along that maturity spectrum is a positive outcome, right? We don't need everyone to become a best practice world leading organization overnight. So it's not a realistic goal. Um, So we always try and get an understanding with our stakeholders and through interviews, like where is this leadership group, right? How many advocates do we have? How many allies do we have? You know, and we always have some detractors, but how vocally, how vocal are they? You know, and, and what is the, what are the challenges that they perceive? And then it's really about positioning it in a, in their language in a way that they understand. So what Symmetra tries to do is strike the right balance um, between purpose and performance. Right. So uh, for us, it's about purpose and performance through innovation, which is there's absolutely a purpose-driven social justice right thing to do, equity-based argument for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which everyone who works in our business believes in that sort of very deeply. But the people we're talking to haven't, aren't at that point yet often. And I think they measured on different KPIs and, and performance is what's important to them and how they're going to move their business goals forward. And so we have to help them, I think, draw a really strong confluence between those two things, help them understand that they're interrelated uh, but speak to them through the language of science and numbers and showing that there is a real ROI for you, for your team, for your business in investing in this. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. By my observation, and this is just my observation, and it's different all over the world, it mm. seems like the last two to three years is when things really shifted and companies started paying more and more attention to DEI. Do you think that's accurate? Did it start five years ago, 10 years ago? What changed? Um, it's interesting. There is definitely this 
kind of wave-like motion over time. So I've been in this field now for about 15 years and my, my co-CEO has been in it for 30. Um, you, you, you have every few years this kind of wave of momentum that comes. And, and then it, it does tend to ebb a little bit, which is actually, I think, where we are right now. So we have this huge wave that happened in 2020, which swung things forward in a massive way, which was really sparked, you know, by Black Lives Matters uh, and, and, you know, other key events that happened in the U.S. But, you know, that was a tipping point. It was a kind of, it was something that pushed over and need and momentum that, that already existed in a number of different places. Um, the, there's an interesting graph that I often present, which anyone can go and look at, is if you go look at Google Trends, right? And you can just kind of see a 15-year trend of diversity and inclusion in Google. And it's, you can see the trend over time is, you know, the search volume. This is not the pure measure of everything, but you can see there is a continuous exponential trend over time, that the amount of interest in this topic just grows and grows and grows. You will see a big spike in 2020 that then ebbs a bit after that, but it is not like it went from zero to 100 in 2020. It was a very gradual, continuous thing and change that's happened over time. But yeah, every so often there's a, a triggering event, which I think uh, raises the level of public expectation. And by public, I mean, not just potential talent, I mean, investors, I mean, legislators, I mean, you know, suppliers, everyone's saying to organizations, you need to be more responsible. Uh, and show better practice in the space, and that spurs on a whole lot of action. There seems to be, like you said, there, there's a movement going on here. But then mm-hmm. I look at some companies and I go, they're doing this to check a box. It's not authentic. They're doing this for PR, or they're doing this to check a box. I think consumers are very savvy now. They can tell mm-hmm. when something's authentic or it's just checking a box. How do you work with companies to really make this part of their DNA so it's authentic and people don't go, well, they're just checking the box? There, there is unquestionably companies who are doing performative DEI, as they call it, right? Which is which is what you're describing. Um, I think there's there's a challenging dilemma, I think, that that we sometimes face in that the, the, the stakeholder who's bringing us in, who's let's say a, a CDO or a CHRO knows that the executives they're dealing with are doing it for performative reasons. But nonetheless, that's going to still get the outcomes that they want, right? They're going to do the actions. They're going to make the changes because their customers are demanding it. Sometimes it's the customers who are saying, you know, if you want to bid for these deals and you want to be out, you know, get through our procurement processes, you have to do these things. And that forces the CEO or other executives to make changes, which other people genuinely believe in and support, which, which they may not. And so, you know, we will look at that and say, as long as the stakeholders we're working with genuinely believe in this, and there are people who genuinely believe in it in the organization, we'll, you know, we, we're happy to take that on. If we think that everyone we're dealing with is doing it for performative reasons, we might choose not to work with companies like that, because that's not what we're about. I think we, you know, we want clients who are, who are genuinely willing to make change. Um, making a part of their DNA, I think it comes back to, you know, what we were speaking about earlier, which is let's understand where they are, what's going to resonate with them, and it's going to help them take some steps forward and start a process of many conversations that's going to attack the head, heart, and hands, as we call it, right? Help them understand the rational case, but that's not enough. They then need to connect with us at a sort of emotional, empathetic level, right? They need to hear the stories of people in their organization or outside their organization who've really experienced inequity, have experienced exclusion, 
um, so that they can get a genuine understanding then and check their privilege, as it were. And then just give them the behaviors, give them the tools to make the change. And actually, there's a lot of evidence that if people just start doing this stuff, start behaving the way that they, that is more inclusive, they, the mindset actually follows. It comes after the behavior change. If you're a junior person at a company or a mid-level person at a company and you're experiencing exclusion or inequity, what's your advice for speaking up? Look, that, that is really a tough one because it does come down a lot to the context of that person and the situation that they're in. And whilst we really do advocate for upstandership and allyship, right? And But there's no question that any person who does that is taking on some personal risk and they, for themselves, have to evaluate, well, how risky is this for me and what's going to happen if I speak up? And I don't think it's fair for me as a consultant to come in and say, no, you must all speak up and challenge and like, because there could be real consequences for the people doing that. Um, I think what we do is we help people understand there's different ways to do that. So there are very direct ways of speaking up. There are direct ways of challenging. You're standing up for the values of the organization. Uh, and there are more indirect ways to do it. You know, there's you talk about things like microaggressions. We talk about there's ways to do microaffirmations. There's ways to show support for people, to amplify their voice, to give them moral support, to help engage with you know, the person in, 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 you know, as who may be the perpetrator, if I can use that word, in, in an indirect way to help them understand the impact of their actions. So there's different things that you can do um, just to help move your, your immediate environment forward, right? Not everyone has to change the whole organization, but you can do a lot just to change the day-to-day -day experience of the people you work with and make it a little bit better for them. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. I don't know about over there in Australia, but in the United States, we're experiencing the great resignation. Mm. Millions of people resigning from their jobs on a monthly basis. So what's happened here is if you're a company and you're investing in your human capital, if you don't listen or you don't, you know, you're not uh, practicing diversity, equity, and inclusion, people can leave and go to other companies that are, or they just say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. And in the meantime, the company is investing in their employees. And it seems like employees are leaving at a rate that they haven't left at in a long, long time. So mm -hmm. um, are you seeing globally that companies are being held accountable more because people are resigning and saying like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. 
I think absolutely we were speaking earlier about is there has there been a current upsurge in DEI since 2020? And and this is it's COVID and Black Lives Matters and all these changes that have led to what is there is a measurable change in expectations uh, in the marketplace. And I said it's it it doesn't just come from talent, but I think we're we're talking about talent here. And um I think that's part of the reason you are seeing organizations start to take this more seriously because they they are much more subject to scrutiny. That is, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, one of the things that's become obvious in, you know, for better or worse with social media is that organizations have lost control of the megaphone. They don't get to control messaging about their brand anymore. So anyone who has a bad experience in their organization can make that very public and get a lot of attention to the experiences that they're having. And so as you said, you're investing in people. It's it's an investment that you're making. And if organizations want to get a return on that investment, they have to do that authentically. They have to do that with a genuine belief that people, you know, are people, you know, with their own kind of motivations and, and desires and how they want to advance their careers and to be valued in the organization, not just as a resource, um, but as someone who can make a, a real contribution. Um, and I think yeah, if they... I think don't have a great, a good strategy for keeping people engaged and making people feel included, then they can lose people. And we we have certainly seen with programs that we've run that a, 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 a genuine investment in DEI has had a noticeable impact in reducing undesirable attrition. And, you know, in some clients, we've halved their attrition rate of, of undesired levers, I think, just because you know, they've really shown that we are creating an environment where everybody has the opportunity to realize their potential. Before I let you go, uh, tell us about some of the courses that Symmetra Global has on Open Sesame. If I go into Open Sesame and I want to take some of your courses, what are some of the titles and, and some of the things that people can learn? Yeah, absolutely. So look, we, we really try and approach the diversity, equity, and inclusion learning through those same three lenses. So you'll have some courses that will be about understanding different dimensions of diversity, like disability or LGBTIQ. You'll have some that are really about being more inclusive. So that is understanding unconscious bias, learning how to leverage diversity of thought. And then others that are about equity, right? Which is how we can remove bias from systems and processes in the organization, how we can create fairness. And so uh, we've got a great combination of gamified short form uh, learning in about 10 minutes that people can try um, that can be mixed and matched, I think, to really create a curriculum that's relevant for your organization. So if your challenge is we want people to understand what inclusion means and how they can be more inclusive every day, they can do that. If it's, you know, we've got specific challenges around gender or specific challenges around race, we've got courses that address those. So we're really trying to cater to what has become a very broad and you know, a, a complex and organization-specific issue, right? Not, diversity strategies now are extremely varied. And so, you know, we'd recommend go take a look, depending on what it is that you need to do uh, and what your diversity goals are or inclusion goals are, uh, we've probably got a good course to match. All right, last question. You're moving mm-hmm. to New York. New York's yes. got a lot <laughs> of great food. I am a New York pizza person. That's my favorite pizza in the world is a slice of New York pizza. Is there a food that you're like, I cannot wait to try this when I move to New York? Oh, I am a foodie, so it's not, <laughs> what can I wait to try? So will I ever stop eating? It's probably <laughs> um, But we're going to have a disagreement because I'm really a, all about the Neapolitan style pizza. 
Okay. You know, I, I need to find a place to get that in New York. Much, I'm not saying I'm I don't sure appreciate the New York slice, but it's a slightly different preference that I have for my pizza. Yeah, I'm sure you will. They've got just about everything that you can eat in New York. So I'm, I'm sure you'll find the type of pizza that you're looking for. Josh Price, the co-CEO of Symmetra Global. You can find them online at symmetraglobal.com. You can also find them in the Open Sesame. Josh, thank you so much for joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. Thanks so much, Brian. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.